theyeshiva.net. Bilam is hired by Balak, the king of Mayav, to come and curse the Jews. He says they have left Egypt. Kises ein ha'aretz. They eclipsed the vision of the earth, meaning they're all over the place. They're going to decimate us. They're going to destroy us. And we really need to strike him. He is afraid that the Jews, he compares to the bull, who gets hold of your field and basically licks up and eats up all of the grass. And so the Jews are going to do to the Moabites and he wants Bilam's services. Bilam is eager to go, but he tells the emissaries that he has to ask Hashem. He asks Hashem and Hashem says, don't go. Don't curse them, they're blessed. The next night, however, Hashem tells him, go. If they came to call you, go, but speak what I tell you to speak. Bilam, following the second instruction, wakes up the next morning on his donkey, he saddles his donkey, his osoin, and he goes. Strangely, the Pasuk says, God is angry. Hashem is upset that he's going. We have to understand why. You did tell him to go. The first night you told him not. The second night you told him yes. Why are you upset? Let the Mepharshim deal with at length various perspectives. But Hashem is angry. So what happens? Here is where the story becomes very interesting and really very funny if you think about it. An angel of God stands l'satanloi. He stands on the road to block, to obstruct the voyage, the path of Bilam. Bilam is on his donkey. Who sees the angel? It's the donkey that observes an angel on the road. And the angel is not just an innocent angel. The angel is holding the angel is with a sword. So the donkey, following its natural, healthy instincts, moves... <laughs> Moves. <laughs> no problem, no worries, no worries. Little music is always good. The donkey moves off the road and goes into the field. She's on the path, whatever the paved path was. She goes on the side to the field, the farm, whatever it was. And Bilam sees his donkey deviant, uh, misbehaving. Uh, corrupting the plan, doing its own thing. So Bilam, as a real master, strikes and beats the donkey. Bilam strikes, hits the donkey, gives it a good beating to train it back on its path. The donkey continues, but now the donkey is going in a narrow path of a vine, Mishal Akramim, a vineyard, there's a fence on this side, a fence on this side, and the angel once again reappears. So what the donkey does is, Vatilachetz el-hakir, doesn't want to go straight into a sword, it squeezes itself to the side, to the wall, and of course the leg of Bilam is squeezed to the wall, so Bilam is even more infuriated and continues to beat this horrible, unbehaved, undisciplined, rebellious, Troublemaker, the donkey. By Yosef La he beats the donkey again. A great disciplinarian he is. He will not allow the donkey to behave in such a frivolous, 
rebellious manner. First it goes off the road, and now it goes into a wall, squeezing itself and his leg to the wall. What happens is the angel reappears, and this time stands in a very narrow, narrow path. There's no way to go right, there's no way to go left, you can only go straight. But there's nowhere to go because the angel is right there. And the donkey once again observes the angel, what can the donkey do now? There's nowhere to go. So the donkey crouches. It lay down, vatirbat tachas bilam, below bilam, the donkey lies down. Vayicharav bilam, I understand, now bilam doesn't just beat the donkey, bilam is filled with rage, filled with ire and anger. He doesn't only beat the donkey with his hands, he takes a stick and really beats the donkey. He takes off the belt and, or the stick in this case, and he really beats the donkey. Three times the donkey misbehaves. And now the story grows really strange. God opens the mouth of the donkey. The donkey speaks. The first and last time in history that we know of. That a donkey will utter words. So the donkey opens its mouth. Its debut presentation. First and last time in history. And the donkey says, What have I done to you? That you have beaten me three times. Not once, not twice, but three times. What have I done to you? Bilam doesn't say, wow. This is crazy stuff. This is amazing. This is like, oh my God. Let me, uh, let me carry you. You go on top of me. Bilam responds, almost cold-bloodedly, why did I beat you? You abused me. You have abused me. You have misused me. You have betrayed me. You have caused me pain. In fact, if I would have only had a sword in my hand, not a stick, I would kill you. That's Bilam's response. Donkey opened its mouth, said, Why? Why have you beaten me? What did you do? What did I do to you? And Bilam says, What you did? Is this a joke? Is this a game? You abused me. In fact, you deserve to die. Beating was the benevolent response. Death is the appropriate response. Some of you know where this class is heading, don't you? <laughs> so the donkey, the donkey responds again. And the donkey says this. And let's listen to the words of a donkey. Because as I said, this is the one donkey that speaks and never speaks again. The first the donkey says, what did I do to you that you beat me three times? Bilam says what you did to me. You abused me. He's halal to be. You deserve to die. So the donkey says, and I quote, and I'll translate. Why 
I am your donkey upon which you have ridden from your days of youth until this very day. I have always been your donkey. Have I ever behaved this way in all of my history? Have you ever observed this type of behavior in me? To move from the road, to move away from the road, to squeeze your foot to the wall, to crouch and decide I'm not moving. I'm not your donkey for a week. I wasn't rented last week, last month, last year. We have been together for decades. I am your first donkey. We have been loyal partners since you have developed as a donkey rider. I have known no master other than you. And my question is, have you ever before noticed this behavior? Vayoymer and Bilam has one word, loy. I never did. I actually never saw such behavior in you. This was the first time. The donkey at this point is silent and we will never hear from it again. Those are its only two statements. Vayoymer, Bilam has to admit and say, no, you never behaved this way. The donkey doesn't even say, as I would say, I rest my case, Bilam. No. The donkey said it, and the donkey is quiet. What happens at this moment is, God opens the eyes of Bilam. And suddenly he sees what the donkey saw. He sees an angel standing right there on the road with a sword. And Bilam prostrates himself, and now it's the turn of the angel to speak, in lieu of the donkey. And the angel says, why did you beat your donkey three times? I am the one who was obstructing its path. The donkey did this because of me, and essentially you should die, and the donkey should live. He is reversing Bilam's words. Bilam told the donkey, you should die. I'm a good master, I'm only beating you for this chutzpah, for this pain that you're causing me, for this shame, for this embarrassment. You should die. And the Malach says it's the other way around. You should die and the donkey should live. Bilam at this point says, I sinned. I didn't know that you were here. I thought my donkey wanted to abuse me. If you want, I'll go back home. And the Malach says, no, now go. You started the journey, go, and Bilam goes. The donkey was very, very close to Bilam. In fact, according to Chazal, the donkey was a little too close to Bilam. The donkey and Bilam didn't only have a relationship as a master and a rider, but the donkey and Bilam, according to Chazal, had a much, much deeper and profounder relationship. This Bilam and donkey were, so to speak, deeply connected and integrated, not only emotionally, but also physically. And this is really, therefore, also a metaphor of what we often observe happening in different families, in different situations with ourselves, with our loved ones, with our students, with our friends, or with other people. Basically, the donkey is not behaving. You want the donkey to go straight, and the donkey goes off. What do you do? It's called Tzvei Pech, the old remedy. The old remedy, Megit Tzvei Pech, and everybody is healed. 
You remember before there was ADD, PDD, ADHD, the Shmidi, the Spectrum, that Spectrum. Everybody had the same trupa, the same remedy for everybody. Two smacks and everybody suddenly was healthy. I don't know if you want to call it the good old days or the, good, or the bad old days or the neutral old days, but the old days, let's put it that way. Bilam does the same thing. He strikes the donkey. What happens next? The donkey continues. But the angel now, again, obstructs its path. So now it squeezes itself to the wall. It squeezes Bilam to the wall. Bilam beats it again. The third time, it just doesn't move. At least the first time it was moving in the wrong direction, it was moving. It was interested in going somewhere. The second time, at least there's movement. The third time, the donkey says, I'm going to remain in bed for the next ten years. I will stay here, I am not moving anywhere. Now Bilam is furious. Bilam takes a stick and beats the donkey. Whether the beating is verbal, emotional, or physical, does not matter as much as the fact that he beats the donkey. What happens is, the donkey at last opens its mouth. It hasn't spoken for many years, but it opens its mouth. And the first words the donkey says, What did I do to you that you have beaten me? Three times, not once. I must have done something really bad to you to deserve this. What have I done to you? But all Bilam can hear is the accusation. Bilam can't even hear that the donkey opened its mouth. He can't. He's too trapped in his mind. All he can hear is, the donkey said to me, what have I done to you that you beat me? He hears the accusation. That's all he hears. Why don't you hear that a donkey opened its mouth? You should be like, wow. Why don't you actually listen to what's behind the question? He can't. He's in his own morbid. Bilam says, what I did to you? You abused me. That's the irony of ironies. He just finished beating the donkey, the living daylights out of this poor donkey. The donkey is about to call the Hevra Kaddisha. And when he turns to Bilam and says, what did I do? He says, you abused me. Hitalaltabi, hitalalut, means abuse. You, you, you destroyed me. In fact, you deserve to die. The beating was my chesed. One day you're going to thank me for beating you. What do you, what you did to me? You brought me to shame. We have a good family. Till you came into my life, we had a most beautiful family in Muncie. Most beautiful family in Lakewood. Most beautiful family in B'nai Brak, in Yerushalayim, in Williamsburg, in Borough Park, Crown Heights, in Chicago, in Toronto, Vudavilst. We were la creme de la creme, every shatchen. We were the first telephone in the iPhone, first telephone number. The best, right away us. We were the best of the best. What do you mean? What what I what you did to me? You abused me. You embarrassed me. You crushed me. You brought me to shame. You made from me Pirim. A Purim a Pirim Spillister for Megamacht. And you have a chutzpah to ask what you did to me? Just for that you should be killed. 
That's what Bilam means. It's not only you should be killed. Just for that question, you should be killed. You ask what you did to me that I beat you three times? The question is not why I beat you three times. The question is why I didn't beat you three million times. All I should be doing all day and night is beating you. Just I need some rest so in order to be able to beat you tomorrow. So I can't beat you all the time. Really, I should have killed you and be done with you. And now you come and you have the audacity to ask me, this audacious chutzpah to ask me, Me'asisi lecha? What I did? Do you know what you put me through? Do you know what you put your mother through, your father through, your brothers through, your sisters through? Do you know how much money we spent on you, your family, this community? What do you mean? One word I say about you. You are the greatest abuser in my life. The donkey answers Bilam. What does the donkey say? The donkey says, I am your donkey that you have known from the day you began riding till this day. You don't know me from today. You know me already for many, many years. I've been in your life for many, many years. I have one question. Is this the usual thing that you have observed in me? Is this what you saw in me when I was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, etc., etc.? Tell me. Let's go back memory lane. Let's take out the pictures. Let's take out the videos. Let's discuss who I was as a little child. Tell me. Was I an aggressive, beastly monster who seek to destroy the family? Was I mean-spirited? Was I self-centered? Was I dumb? Did I just have this horrible Yetzirah who just had no sensitivity to morals, to values? Was I born this crazy addict? Was I this person who dressed like a nut job? Was I this human being who just wanted to shame this entire family and cared for none of my brothers, none of my sisters? I was born like a serial killer without emotions. I was not capable of love. I was not capable of affection. I was not capable of vulnerability. Tell me, all this deviant behavior that you're observing, tell me about my past. And all Bilam could say is, Loi, that's not the case. In fact, you have been the cutest of my children. You have been the kindest of all my children. You have been the most sensitive of all my children. You have been the smartest, the wisest, the deepest, the purest, the most idealistic, the most spiritual, the most profound, and the most in tune with what your father is feeling, your mother is feeling, your brothers are feeling, your sisters are feeling, your babies are feeling. You were more in tune than anybody else. You were the one who was most adorable, most affectionate. You gave the most hugs, and you received the most hugs. You were intelligent. You were astute. You were perceptive. You were keen. And you were the promise of your father and mother. You were the promise. And the next scene, God opens up the eyes of Bilam. 
And Bilam gets to see what this Asain saw. An angel with a sword. There's a sword in front of this little one. A sword, literally a sword. And to avoid the sword, the donkey moved right. Then it moved left. And then it stayed in one place. Because there is an angel with a sword. Bilam never saw this. Bilam never noticed this. But suddenly, Bilam discovers a whole reality that he never knew. This child is observing something, is experiencing something. This child sees a sword stretched out in front of him. If he continues this way, it will mean a certain death. This child may be traumatized literally by a sword. You say he abused you. Maybe somebody abused him or her very, very badly and you weren't there to notice it. You weren't there to see it. You were not there to observe it. And even if you were there, maybe you didn't know what to do. You didn't know how to handle it. And even if you did, maybe other people didn't know how to handle it. And as a result of that, this child was affected in deep, deep places of their soul. They are still as cute as you will find, as you ever found them. As adorable, as kind, as keen, as holy, as spiritual, as saintly, as pure, as idealistic as, and perceptive. But you don't see anything they see. You don't know anything they know. You know nothing of their experiences and their imaginations. Absolutely nothing. The more you scream, the more you beat, the more you strike, the more you holler, and you say, you idiot, you donkey, literally, you donkey, or the other words that we use for a donkey. You moron, with all the sophisticated words for a moron that I won't use here for obvious reasons, the more I scream and I beat, I don't get rid of the sword. I don't get rid of the angel. All I tell the little donkey who's being accused of being the greatest donkey and fool in the world is that this person really doesn't get it to the point that innocently he says, what did I do to you? What did I do to you? Really? You don't know that you did anything to me? Can you imagine? In the parents' imagination, this kid is trying to destroy the house. We made rules. We signed a contract. This is my house. I pay rent. I pay the mortgage. I fed you. If I would charge you for room and board, you would owe me $425,000. Forget the interest. It's my house. And this donkey says, what did I do to you? You don't know what you did to me? That means the donkey doesn't know even what it did. Why doesn't it know what it did? It was a sword. There was a sword in front of me. Do you know about that sword? Till you learn about that sword, be humble. Be quiet. Be sensitive. Learn about that sword. And your entire perspective may change. To the point that when the Malach turns to Bilam and says, why did you beat this donkey? I am the one who stopped him. I am the one. This person should live, if anything. This person is very innocent. And Bilam says, Chatasi, I sinned. 
And you know what my greatest sin was? Ki loyodati. I didn't know. I didn't know ki atanitzov likrosi baderach. That you're standing in front of my path. Now some of you are thinking, how do I distinguish between somebody manipulating me and somebody who really has a sword in front of them? Some of our youngsters are wise. They're manipulating their way. And all the parents are hearing from losers are just love, 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 love. Great. I'll sleep for 12 years and you will love. I'll be a couch potato and you will love. But that's not the message that the Malach is telling Bilam. On the contrary, this is coming from a place of productivity, proactivity, not passivity, not paralysis. This is tuning in to who a person is at a given moment and understanding as much as you want your child to succeed, your child also wants to succeed. People want to succeed. You think you're the only one who wants to succeed? Every person wants to succeed. You think you're the only one who wants to wake up in the morning? Everybody wants to wake up in the morning. You think you're the only one who wants to look at your life and say it's meaningful, it's productive, it's good? Every person wants to look at their life and say it's meaningful, it's productive. And when a person is living a life contrary to that, I have to ask the question, what are the angels they are seeing? What do they look like? What are they seeing? It's not what I'm seeing. And then get rid, of, get rid of that stick and tuning into those messages is what Bilam fails to do. He has no loyalty. He's Biloyam. A, a prophet without a people. This is where the Chamar becomes Chomer. That which looks brute, that which looks material, that which looks very simple, that which looks easy just to strike and beat, that may be seeing very profound truths. And if you listen to that donkey, you may be able to see God, just like the donkey does. Not only should you not strike it, you should put your ear very closely to it, because actually it's the donkey that allows Bilam and opens up Bilam to see a vision of something truthful that he could never see before. But it's very hard for a person to admit this mistake. We will do everything to resist that this is going on. We will say, my donkey is different. My donkey is really evil. My donkey is a real abuser. My donkey deserves it. Don't be the Ibn to tell me, I'm the father. I'm the grandmother. I'm, I know what I'm dealing with. My donkey is different. And all I could say is, why are you doing this to me? That CD, that scratch CD playing in my brain, I could never get out of. It takes tremendous, tremendous humility, tremendous, tremendous courage to say, you know what? All I could see is physical matter. That's all I see. And maybe the person I'm getting angry at is seeing things much, much deeper. Instead of getting upset, I should ask, what are you seeing? 
that I'm not. I want to learn about it. I want to understand it a little bit. I want to know what it feels like. Let me know what is going on there. We have today a situation where a lot of young people are taking their lives. This year alone, in the Torah observant community, around 120 young women and men have killed themselves, either directly or through overdose or similar methods. <laughs> people hear the stories, and like all of you good Jewish mothers, you go, people give a deep, deep sigh, and it's a genuine sigh. But these people don't need sighs. They really don't need sighs. What they do need is that when they're young, these girls and boys, when they're very, very young, all the people involved in their lives, principals, teachers, educators, therapists, social workers, mechanchos, menalos, rosh yeshivas, mashgichem, mechanchem, rebbis, moros, and of course primarily tatis and mommies, grandparents, siblings, etc., should tune in to the world of this child. Is there learning disability? Is there trauma? Is there deep emotional pain? Is there something internally that makes it difficult for this child to travel their own path? Not because I want you to make my family look perfect. If that's my agenda, then I am essentially being completely narcissistic. But because I want to tune in to what your soul needs, to how I can polish your diamond, to how I can allow you to live your life that God has given you, to live your body, to live your soul to the fullest, with complete humility, and allow myself and ourselves to be there for that person with every fiber of our being without judgmentalism, without the need to prove ourselves, without the need to crush them so that we could feel we solved the problem, without all of that, to be able to really be sensitive to that person. Last week I went for a shiva call of a young girl who died from overdose. I sat there for four hours listening to the parents. I wanted to hear the whole story from the beginning. I asked, what was the beginning of the end? Not, I know the end. What was the beginning of the end? This girl had a terrible, terrible learning disability and desperately wanted to succeed. She broke herself. She did impossible things to succeed, but it was so hard for her, so she never could succeed fully. She was celebrated for that by her parents, sometimes celebrated too much because... Sometimes such a person has to be told there's different expectations of you. But that wasn't the key. The key that they told me from their observation was she was in a particular school. She was trying very hard in that school. She had tutors, extra tutors. The school called up the parents one day and said that she violated three rules and therefore they have to expel her. 
Rule number one was, you're allowed to go to a pizza shop, but you're not allowed to eat in the pizza shop. She ate in the pizza shop. Rule number two was, rule number two was, she had a friend, and her friend had a birthday. And this girl loved beautiful things, and she was an artist. I saw some of the art she made. She was a brilliant artist. So she bought this friend a $20 uh, pocketbook. And they said, you're not allowed to buy such an expensive gift for a friend. The father and mother told me for her, it was so meaningful that she had a friend, because in school she was always balanced around, and she really wanted to hold on to it. So she bought this expensive gift, and she loved beautiful things. The third thing they told the father is nivel peh. She has a filthy mouth. So he said, you know, the first two I don't think are serious, but let me hear about the third one. What did she say? They told them they were using a shul as a school. A particular shul as a school. As I told you, she had a learning disability, and she, one day she turns to her friends or a teacher, and she says, I don't understand. Why are there men's bathrooms in a girl's school? So the father says, that's nivel peh? Why are the men's bathrooms? Of course, such a question, it's a shul. It's obviously a shul. That means she's thinking about certain things. So I told the father, the principal is thinking about things, those things. The principal has a dirty, 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 filthy mind and body, and therefore thinks, everybody thinks like this principal. Not everybody knows a shul is a shul. Some people figure it out, they have these... Some people are very socially acute, some people not. We all know there's different types of kids. So the father came to the principal and said, listen. You know these are not serious stuff. She's trying so hard. principal said, no, it's not going to work. It's a bad influence on the other girls. She's changing her pocketbooks constantly. It's not going to work. So the father said, okay, give me a little time. And let me find an appropriate place for this person. But don't tell her anything. She's been through too much. Don't tell her anything. Let her be, and I promise you, you have here full support of parents. We want her success. We want the school success. We want everybody's success here. Work with me and let me find a good place for her so her dignity could be maintained. And the parents tell me, that that person did not listen to them, called in the girl that day and said, you're expelled from school. They came home from work, and the girl was on the floor. All the books of all the bookcases were on her, and she was just right there on the floor to the point that he called Hatsala because he didn't know if she was really out. And he said that day destroyed her dignity to the core. Yes, for months she was out in the street, they got another school, she tried to do well, but already internally there was a voice that just told her that she will never ever be able to be. Now, I've learned in my life, as hard as it is, you could never be a judge of any story until you don't know everything, until you don't know what the person heard, what the person experienced. This is not to cast judgment on any individual, school, principal, father, mother, teacher, educator. It's to allow us to tune in and to become aware of what is going on. Instead of systems serving students, 
we have created a situation where students are serving systems. It's almost we worship a system as though it was God. That's the first idolatry. And the kid has to serve the system. Systems are created for people. People are not created for systems. That's the difference between totalitarianisms and dictatorships and moral free-based societies. Stalin said, one death is a tragedy. A million deaths are a statistic. The moment we have systems and people worship systems, we become that. Systems are here for people. People are not here for systems. Systems are important. They create structure. They avoid anarchy. They create discipline. But systems are not here to be worshipped. Systems are here to enhance our lives, not to destroy our lives. They're here to give structure to our lives. It's like somebody would say, every day, 7 o'clock, I go to the gym, right? Their child needs to go to the hospital. They say, I'm sorry, I follow systems. 7 o'clock, we go to the gym. But your kid is not breathing, she needs to go to the hospital. I follow systems. I'm a disciplined person. I'm not from this new Hefker, liberal, spineless crowd that says, what system? Your kid needs to go to the hospital. You'll go to the gym tomorrow. Systems are good when they work to promote life, not when they become traps that promote death. Have a wonderful week. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.